Good morning, and welcome to Simply Economics. It's Monday, February 5th. On today's show, Finance Secretary TV Somanathan discusses the macroeconomic stability that the budget aims to preserve while the PKR rises for the 12th consecutive week, plus an interview with Egertsen by Beckworth. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Economics. We start off with a focus on the 2024-25 budget, which has seen an 11% increase in capital expenditure with a continued emphasis on macroeconomic stability, according to Finance Secretary T.V. Somanathan. In a post-budget interview, he also indicated that the conditions for CapEx support to states may differ in the next financial year. Abby, our correspondent for Simply Economics, is here to delve deeper into this. So, Abby, what does this increased capital expenditure mean for the economy? David, the increased capital expenditure is a positive sign for the economy. It shows that the government is committed to investing in the country's infrastructure and other capital projects. This is expected to sustain the current growth rates, regardless of private investments. In fact, the rate of capital expenditure as a share of GDP is projected to be higher next year. And what about the conditions for CapEx support to states? How might they change in the next financial year? The finance secretary has indicated that the conditions for CapEx support to states may differ in the next financial year. While the specifics are yet to be released, it's clear that the government is looking to incentivize states to undertake reforms and stimulate capital investment. This could include projects like rural roads, school buildings, and hospital buildings. What about the 1.3 lakh crore that has been continued for one more year? What does this mean for the states? This continuation is significant for the states as it provides them with financial support. However, it's important to note that this is not a permanent scheme. It's being continued for one more year, and a portion of it will be based on reforms, as mentioned in the budget. What impact might this budget have on private investment intentions? The finance secretary has stated that the budget is not designed as a message to the private sector, but rather as an operational statement of the government's finances. However, the macroeconomic stability it aims to preserve could create a favorable investment climate. If India continues to grow at a rate of 6.5%, it's likely that investment resources will be attracted to the growth, leading to increased private sector investment. Finally, Can you tell us more about the scheme for the middle class that's being designed? The scheme is still being designed, but it's expected to provide some support to certain deserving sections of the middle class. It could offer cheaper loans for housing, possibly through lower cost loans via priority sector credit schemes. The specifics are yet to be finalized, but it's clear that the government is looking to provide some relief to the middle class. Thanks to Abby for her insights on the 2024-25 budget. Now, let's shift our focus to the international currency market, where the Pakistani rupee has been making steady gains against the U.S. dollar in the interbank market for the 12th consecutive week, improving by ruby 0.18 cents. This comes as the rupee has been on a steady upward trajectory, improving by ruby 7.62 cents over the previous 12 weeks. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Celeste. 
So what's driving this steady improvement in the rupee's value? The rupee's gains can be attributed to a number of factors. Improved macroeconomic conditions, tighter enforcement of regulations, a shrinking money supply, and a balance of payments surplus due to low import demand have all contributed. Additionally, a moratorium on Chinese debt repayments has also helped increase liquidity in the foreign exchange market. But despite these gains in the interbank market, the rupee seems to have lost traction against the dollar in the open market. Can you explain this discrepancy? Yes, that's correct. While the rupee has been gaining in the interbank market, it closed the week at Reese's 281.7 per dollar in the open market compared to Reese's 281.7 the previous week. This has widened the gap between the rupee dollar exchange rates in the interbank and open markets 2.2929, which is still below the ceiling of 0.25% recommended by the International Monetary Fund. What can we expect from the rupee in the near future? Market speculation suggests that the rupee will remain stable around current levels until the general elections scheduled for February 8, 2024. The rupee dollar exchange rate will likely take cues for future direction from the new government's economic policies. And what about Pakistan's foreign reserves? How are they faring? The State Bank of Pakistan reported a decrease in the country's total liquid foreign reserves by $79 million during the last week. The reserves held by the country stood at 13.262 billion as of January 26, 2024. This decrease is largely due to debt repayments. Similarly, net foreign reserves held by commercial banks also declined by $25 million to $5.046 billion at the end of last week. Finally, how is the interim government responding to these developments? The caretaker Federal Minister for Finance, Revenue and Economic Affairs, Dr. Shamshad Akhtar, has stated that the economy has stabilized due to proactive measures taken by the interim setup. She acknowledged the issue related to the exchange rate that the interim setup inherited, but it seems that their measures are having a positive impact. Thanks to Celeste for that insightful analysis of the Pakistani rupee's value against the US dollar. In other economic news, David Beckworth recently had a conversation with Gauti Egertsen, a key figure in the Princeton School of Macroeconomics, currently teaching at Brown University. The discussion revolved around monetary policy and the recent inflation. Here to delve deeper into this is our correspondent from Simply Economics, Bella. So Bella, what were some of the key points from this interview? Well, David, Egertsen made several insightful observations. He challenged the fiscal theory of the price level, which attributes recent inflation to the increase in national debt. He argued that the Federal Reserve did not interpret the stimulus as a mandate to keep interest rates low to ease the debt burden. Instead, he suggested that the stimulus unexpectedly increased demand. Furthermore, he pointed out that the risk of inflation was perceived to be very low, even if employment exceeded its maximum. And what about the role of the Federal Reserve in this scenario? Egertson believes that the Fed could have offset enough of the stimulus to maintain an average inflation rate close to 2%. However, the Fed's interpretation of its flexible average inflation targeting policy was asymmetric, which Egertson suggests was probably a mistake. Egertson also mentioned something about nominal GDP targeting. Can you explain that? Yes, he did. Egertson acknowledged that explaining nominal GDP targeting to the general public might be challenging. 
However, he noted that the important audience is the financial markets, which are perfectly capable of understanding the concept. He even suggested that the Fed could simply call NGDP-level targeting by the name Flexible Average Inflation Targeting, as it fits that name far better than the policy the Fed has actually adopted over the past four years. That's an interesting perspective. How have others reacted to these views? There's been a mixed response. Some agree with Egertsen's views, while others believe that if the Fed adopts a new policy framework, it should have a new name. There's also concern about wage growth accelerating, which some find worrisome. However, there's a consensus that the concept of NGDP targeting needs to be explained in layman's terms to avoid confusion. Thanks for that insightful report, Bella. Now, shifting gears to the corporate world, despite a challenging macroeconomic environment, research and data firm YouGov has reported an acceleration in sales momentum in its latest quarter. The London-based company has expressed confidence in meeting its financial year guidance, attributing this to its resilient performance. Here to delve deeper into this is our correspondent, James. Can you tell us more about YouGov's recent performance? Certainly, David. YouGov has seen a boost in recent trading, thanks to stable demand in its data products and research divisions. The company also reported positive sales from the technology sector, although it admitted that some other sectors have been more challenging. Despite these challenges, YouGov reported growth in revenues on a like-for-like basis over the half-year to January, taking into account currency headwinds and the impact of acquisitions. What does YouGov anticipate for the second half of the financial year? YouGov is aware of the challenging market conditions and client budget pressures as it moves into the second half of the financial year. However, it remains confident in its products and sales momentum, which has significantly accelerated in Q2 after a slow Q1. The company is confident in achieving current market expectations for the full year, underpinned by a robust sales pipeline as of January 2024. YouGov recently completed a major acquisition. How has that impacted the company? Yes, YouGov completed a 315 million euro takeover of German rival GFK's consumer services business. The company has reported a positive response from workers and clients since the completion of this deal. Fiona Orford Williams from Edison Group has noted that the integration of this business has gone better than anticipated. What are the expectations for YouGov for the rest of the year? Orford Williams believes that YouGov will meet its goals for the year, which ends in July. Despite noting that sales cycles continue to be long, she has pointed out that YouGov seems to be performing better with the tech sector than other market participants. So, while there are cautionary notes, there is also reassurance that YouGov should meet market expectations for the full year. That was Simply Economics reporter James providing insights on YouGov's recent performance and future expectations. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Economics. We'll see you back here tomorrow.